1918, the year the world changed. From the diaries of Lady Mary Monkswell of Beminster. Part 3. The Sacrifices of War and Relief of Armistice. A new world has opened. Friday, November 8th. We don't know what we may hear any minute. The German delegates are to meet Foch near Guise and he will dictate terms. They are to reply by 11 of on the 11th of November. Poor devils, 72 hours. They are astonished at the severity of the terms. We don't know yet know what those terms are. Sunday, 10th November. On returning from the eight o'clock service of celebration, I open the rotten little socialist paper, The People, and see Kaiser and Crown Prince abdicate. We sing God Save the King with extraordinary fervour, and when we come out of the church, saw the German flag flying at half-mast, upside down. It is all very overwhelming. I bear it as quietly as I can. Dear Dor had lunch with me, and we had a delightful hour playing Schumann. I went over there to tea, taking a cake, so I had not to be alone with my emotions. Monday, 11th November. We began the day with an airship sailing round and round, close over us. We all rushed out and cheered and waved. About eleven, the band played God Save in the marketplace, whither we all repaired. The flag was hoisted on the church tower and the bells rung. We don't positively know that the Germans have yet signed. The armistice was signed at 5am and the war ceased at 11am. Wonderful scenes in town. Effect upon me? I am stunned. Great service, 7.30. Church crammed. Non-com minister read the lesson in broad scotch. Fox terms of peace most severe. Lloyd George said, Germany ruined within and without. They intended to ruin us. Monday, November the 11th, armistice at Skipness. My sister Emily and Willie Ramsey walked down to the pier in the PM. Seeing a Johnny motorboat about half a mile away and noting that the sea was calm, Sandy Thompson, who was standing by her at the end of the pier, shouted to them, What's the war news? Across the water, the four fishermen, with united voice, replied, Ach, Peace is made and the Kaiser's a water Holland. Wednesday, November the 13th. I read the 34 terms of armistice with great enjoyment. They are indeed terrible, as the wretched envoys said. But as Germany is starving, we intend to feed them. They meant to starve us. Beautiful account of the joy in town and the Houses of Parliament service at St Margaret's. Thursday, November the 14th. President Wilson's fine address to the Senate. Hunger does not breed reform. It breeds madness. Our Lord has said, If thine enemy hungers, feed him. Having beaten him, 
we are going to feed him. Endeavouring to calm down and get steady. Sunday, November the 17th. Dear old Aunt Cessie to lunch here. To Woodlands, tea in drawing room to save fires. Wore my armistice dress. Dark grey cloth, gold braid of old uniform. Flemish point lace. Smart. Read them Cynthia's letter of the very Italian rejoicings at Florence and Porto San Giorgio. Monday, November the 18th. Surrender of the Hun fleet to Admiral Beatty. Most thrilling. Grand speech by Lloyd George on reconstruction after the war. Thanksgiving services everywhere. I am still quite stunned. Tuesday, November the 19th. King George meets both Lords and Commons for victory speech. Germans' behaviour under defeat, very poor. The price of victory, 3,049,991 casualties. Deaths, officers, 38,000. Other ranks, 6,000. 600, sorry, other ranks, 621,000, okay. Deaths, officers, 38,000. Other ranks, 621,000. Germans, 4 million casualties. Wednesday, November the 20th, most thrilling account of the arrival at Harwich of the first 20 U-boats. Lovely day, walk to Mapperton. Pleasant talk with Mrs Compton. Photos of her lovely daughters, Phyllis, Lady Chichester, and Mrs Green. Thursday, November the 21st. Can read nothing but the papers. How welcome they are on this wonderful day. The surrendered German high fleet sailed into the Firth of Forth between two rows of R warships, an avenue 15 miles long, all ready to fire in case of treachery. 21 big German ships, 49 destroyers. Sir David Beatty, commander-in-chief, said to his men, I always told you they would have to come out. Friday 22nd of November. Dear Robert Graham, my brother-in-law, has been gone 10 years, and my dear fellow, my husband Robert, nearly nine. Cannot think how I have moved on all this time alone. I read the account of surrender twice to myself in the evening. To Mr and Mrs Kitson, with what emotions. I also went to the confirmation, always a most affecting service. The brilliant sunlight on the pillars, the white veils of the girls. Saturday, November the 23rd, 1918. Read again the great surrender. Having borne four years' adversity, I can still make shift to endure victory. It is impossible to say the emotions we have been through this week. Floods of tears might relieve me, but I never weep. Letter from Captain Ambrose Pinney, MC, Namur, November 1918. My dear, dear Lady, Lady Monkswell, how, how very nice, nice of you to write to me. It was a great moment when the Hun finally caved in.
and since then the situation has not been without a humour of its own. By mistake, we captured some Hun prisoners after 11am. Various regiments wired in as to what was to be done. GHQ said they should be released at once, and followed it up with a number of worries as to why their orders had not been obeyed. With a large crowd of the brave Belge waiting around for them, with meat choppers, shovels, etc., as is their playful habit, it was easier said than done. Finally, they were put into lorries, run at dead of night into the Hun lines, and slipped there. A great deal of sympathy has been wasted on the Belge. The differences between the state of the country here and the occupied parts of France is immense. The people here have never been short of food, and really the worst they have had to submit to is being turned out of some of their rooms, and not being allowed to travel or be out after dark. The farmers are reported to have made fortunes out of the Hun, and their land is well cultivated, and a number of cattle and horses still remain. In the case of the French country, not so much as a rabbit remained, and the land was uncultivated. Present, I'm having a very busy time going round in cars with German delegates, taking over the guns from them, which they have to leave behind. It's a comic situation, as we are careful to put a British officer in each car, and the efforts of the Belge to throw flowers at the one and bricks at the other is very amusing. Of course, we go armed, and so far all has been well. But it is rather nervous work at times, and it would be an awful thing if they got damaged while under our protection. We've arrived at Namur tonight, and as I did not get in until after dark, I don't know what the place is like. But I'm billeted in quite a good hotel. A new experience. And I ought to do justice to the bed after nine hours in a car on a cold day. Our entries into towns are rather fine. Corps commander and a large staff mounted. Greeted by a band at the entrance to each town, played through the town, speeches by the mayor, bouquets, flowers, etc. I've always wanted to thank you for all you've done for my mother during the war. I'm sure your kindness has been of the utmost value to her in keeping her end up during a long, trying and lonely time. With all best wishes, believe me, yours very sincerely, G.A. Pinney. Wednesday, November the 27th, 1918. Wonderful account of signing armistice in the Compiègne Forest. The delegate evidently in considerable terror. Foch, a severe, calm man. Not a human word. A